Thursday, December 26th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 17 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And there are some leagues still playing into Week 17, so we are going to get to some Week 17 situations that you have to know. But a lot of us have moved on to the playoffs, and we're kind of just doing DFS in Week 17, watching to see who's going to be in the NFL playoffs, maybe for some fantasy action there. If you do want to keep your fantasy season going, you should jump into the FFPC Playoff Challenge at myffpc.com. It's $200 for a chance to win the half-million-dollar grand prize, Guaranteed prizes paying all the way down to the 700th place in the competition. The contest is capped at a max of 6,500 entries, so do not wait. It did sell out last year, so you could get locked out if you wait until the deadline. We will have a strategy article next week. We will have a strategy podcast. You can head over now to myffpc.com for more details to get signed up. Jared, it's a fun competition. I'm excited about this. I mean, half a million bucks, that's that's pretty sweet. I've already spent a lot of time just starting to think through my strategy and guys I want to prioritize on different teams. So I'm excited to um, talk to you and I know we'll have Kevin on the podcast next week. And I think we might even have a special guest on next week's podcast. I'm not, I'm not even sure you know who the special guest is yet. I don't. So <laughs> I look forward to that. And just for, for anybody who's not familiar with the competition, you have everyone available to you to put into your lineup. So it's not a draft. But you can't use more than one player from any team. So obviously there's the general playoff strategy of figuring out who's going to advance in the playoffs. But you also have to be choosy about which player you take from those teams that are going to advance. Yeah, and I, I need to make sure I know the rules. But I, I think it's double points for your players in the Super Bowl. So you want to prioritize getting your, your two highest scoring guys to the last game. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go over all this on the podcast next week. Yes, we'll be digging more into it. We'll be talking about it more, but go check it out for yourself too. Back to week 17 now before we do get to the playoffs. The big thing, of course, about week 17 is that suddenly there are some teams that have nothing to play for, you know, whether it be they're already locked into their playoff seeds or whether it be that they're eliminated from the playoffs and they could really choose to do anything this week. The ones that we know have nothing to play for this week in terms of improving their playoff seed are Baltimore. Buffalo and Minnesota. Baltimore has already told us that it's going to rest a bunch of key starters. So you should be planning to use no Ravens this week, basically, right? I mean, none of your normal Ravens. Lamar Jackson not going to play. Mark Ingram not going to play. I wouldn't expect Mark Andrews to play with all the injuries he's dealt with. RG3, Robert Griffin, is going to be under center, although uh, Harbaugh has also said that Trace McSorley is going to get some action. So I think you're avoiding the quarterbacks here. I think the interesting part is the backfield. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. You know, We don't know exactly how work's going to be split between those two guys, but I think I think they're both in play, you know, as as running back threes or running back twos. Yeah, and the we don't know and the fact that they're playing against the Steelers makes me lean toward not using them. If you need one, then I would go Gus Edwards first and Justice Hill second, but it would have to be down into the range of needing one of those guys rather than liking the upside on it for me. Yeah, I'm with you there. That, that that's my that's how I treat all these situations. I want to try to avoid these teams just in general and really try to target the teams that we know have motivation on Sunday. For the Bills, Sean McDermott said earlier this week that most of his starters will play. He said they will be smart about it. To me, that means we should expect most of the guys to start the game. We should also expect 
the key ones to be out by at least the beginning of the second half, if not earlier. I would expect like a, a preseason game kind of approach to this one for the Bills. Right, yeah. So I think you got to avoid Josh Allen. Um, I would avoid John Brown, Cole Beasley. I would guess that the Bills aren't going to want to give Devin Singletary much action considering, you know, he sort of emerged as their workhorse. I'm assuming they want to give him a week off here. So I would I would stay away from him too. I'd, I'd stay away from the Bills in general this week. Yes, I would try not to use any Bills, and I agree. I mean, Devin Singletary's been also dealing with multiple ailments this year, so mm-hmm. it'd be a good time for him to rest up and get a little bit healthier for the playoffs. I, uh, the running back seems to be the first guy that teams like this are sitting, and then they kind of address everybody else after that. We're going to get a uh, 20 carry, you know, for, for 90 yard swan song for Frank Gore on Sunday. If that, I mean, maybe they bench Frank Gore for this game too and just yeah. go with behind them. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible. Again, I, I would avoid Bills. And they are playing the Jets, which has been a difficult matchup for running backs for most of the season too. So it's at least a little less motivation to take a shot on Frank Gore carrying the load. Yep. Minnesota, Mike Zimmer said Tuesday, quote, I haven't really decided yet. I don't know the answer to that yet. That, of course, was the day after his team played terribly on offense against the Packers. So, I mean, that's a coach thinking, do I try to get things going in the right direction and play these guys before we get to the playoffs? Do I, I can't just let this game be the last appearance of the offense until we get to the playoffs. But, of course, the issue here is, what does he decide by game time? And even if he starts the starters, if they go out and have, you know, a good drive or two, maybe he's like, all right, good. We're back in line. Now let's get these guys off the field before somebody gets hurt. That's sort of what I'm expecting is like a, you know, first or second preseason game usage where, um, you know, he uh, Zimmer plays his starters, hopefully you know gets a touchdown or two out of the starters just to build some confidence back up and then yanks them. Not a great matchup anyways. So um, again, this is another case. I'd try to avoid Cousins, try to avoid the wide receivers. Backfield is somewhat interesting because I'm not expecting Delvin Cook and um, Alexander Madison to play this weekend. Um, you know, So it's going to be Mike Boone and Amir Abdullah again there. Yes, that would all be my guess as well. And it's a decent spot for Mike Boone. I mean, we let everybody down on Monday night, but when the, off, the whole offense stinks, that's going to hurt the chances of the running back to do anything. So I think Mike Boone is in play. Certainly nobody here I'm excited about. Yep, agreed. Houston is the interesting one. So we've been hearing all week, and I think it all comes from the Monday conference call that Bill O'Brien had with reporters, that he said he has no plans to rest players. According to Adam Schefter's tweet from the conference call, it said Bill O'Brien said he has no plans to rest players for the regular season finale. And the quote from Bill O'Brien was, we are playing to win. Of course, we are playing to win doesn't necessarily have to mean from a coach that he's going to play all of his starters. But... Every indication seems to be that the Texans are planning to play the starters. The situation for them is, as of right now, they can still elevate to the number three seed or stay at the number four seed. By the time they play, that might be decided because the Chiefs play the Chargers earlier, the Patriots play the Dolphins. We're expecting both the Chiefs and the Patriots to win those games and lock in the two seed for the Patriots and the three seed for the Chiefs. Right. So more likely than not, this game won't mean anything for Houston. That'd be my concern with playing any of these Texans guys. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson, too, was hobbling around late in that game against the Bucks last Saturday after, you know, tweaking his ankle or whatever. He's not on the injury report with an ankle. He's actually on the injury report with a back issue. But yeah, the, the Texans are the tough call this week. I think you have to bake in some risk of them pulling starters. So for me, Deshaun Watson is someone I try to shy away from. Um, I just think quarterback scoring is so bunched up that, you know, if you only get 
one half out of Deshaun Watson. You know, he he's a long shot to give you quarterback one production. DeAndre Hopkins is the one guy I would still start. Hopkins would be a top three wide receiver in our rankings this week if we knew he was playing the full game. So, you know, the chance of him getting pulled to me knocks him down into wide receiver two territory. But Hopkins, you know, at wide receiver could only play a half and, you know, still give you top 20 production this week. Yeah, I would play Hopkins. I mean, there, I, w- I would have Watson probably about six in our QB rankings based on what we know at this point. I would play everybody down through Carson Wentz, I think, over him. But then beyond that, it's it's higher risk guys. And if I go into the game with the coach saying he's going to play the starters, I would go ahead and play Watson. I mean, frankly, this situation is exactly why not to play <laughs> through week 17 because we don't know. All we can go on is – on one hand, what we know the situation to be and what we would do with the players in that situation. And on the other, what the coach says, which we know can be true or it can be lies. Um, and, and we just have to to kind of guess on that at this point. So I would probably use Watson like a middle QB1 and I'd be watching for reports on Sunday. Uh, you know, somebody saying source close to the situation says if the Chiefs win, Bill O'Brien's going to rest his guys. And I mean, the other aspect of this really is that we've seen teams before treat it like there's no difference between the third or the fourth seed. And for these teams, it, it will ultimately just come down to which team they play in the second round, most likely. So it's entirely possible that even the Chiefs don't treat this game like it's a must win. And maybe they rest some guys. Patrick Mahomes has been dealing with multiple injuries during the season, had the ankle most recently, had knee before that. So, I mean, we I don't think we can say it's out of the question that the Chiefs play this game a little differently as well. No, it's not out of the question. And you know, if you are in your championship this weekend, this weekend, if you are playing DFS, you, you need to be around Sunday morning because we're probably going to get some new news that's you know going to help us with this stuff and even beyond these teams we talked about i mean there are 17 teams that are completely eliminated from postseason contention you know those teams i think are candidates the rest some guys too i know i know i've seen some stuff about the rams potentially resting some guys you know todd Gurley comes to mind as someone who it might make sense for them to sort of ease off him so again just just you know check, check shark bites on sunday morning we'll keep updated anything we do hear about these teams we've talked about or anyone else Yeah, we'll be watching that for both season-long and DFS purposes. Beyond these teams that we're guessing about how hard they're going to actually be playing on Sunday, there are some injuries for us to watch. We'll start with the Texans. Will Fuller's got the groin injury. He didn't practice Wednesday. DeAndre Hopkins didn't practice Wednesday because of an illness. That doesn't seem like the kind of thing that's going to impact his Sunday readiness, so we'll watch that situation. And as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson was limited with the back, not the ankle. Kenny Stills was limited with the knee issue. That was new since last week, so... All those guys, you know, that adds some risk to them. I wouldn't be surprised if Houston deactivates anybody that has some injury question heading into the game. Yeah, Will Fuller is expected to miss three weeks with his, his groin injury. So, he, you know, he's not going to play on Sunday. And even as we start to look, you know, towards playoff leagues now, Fuller, it sounds like, is at least going to miss that first game. Um, yeah, these other injuries, they don't seem like they hold um, these guys out if the game meant anything. But again, I think it's a, another reason to, you know, expect some of these guys to get pulled early. DJ Moore's got a concussion. He didn't practice Wednesday. I think you should head toward the weekend expecting him not to play. We'll see how he goes progress-wise. Terry McLaurin also has a concussion. He didn't practice Wednesday. Dwayne Haskins didn't practice with his ankle. We should expect both of these guys to probably miss the game. Haskins we already know about. Yeah, um, Bill Callahan ruled Haskins out earlier this week, so it's going to be back to Case Keenum. Um, yeah, not expecting Terry McLaurin to play. Um, Steven Sims, your boy, I think that helps him. You know, he's he's he'll be the best bet for targets in Washington, assuming McLaurin's out. 
Dalvin Cook was limited Wednesday with his shoulder issue. Alexander Madison also limited with his ankle. So we'll have to watch them. But again, with nothing to play for, it's tough to imagine Minnesota sticking them in the lineup. Right, yeah, expecting both those guys to miss and it to be Mike Boone and Amir Abdullah again. Zach Ertz has the rib fracture. Nelson Aguilar has a knee injury. Neither of them practiced Wednesday. Aguilar, of course, has missed several games. Ertz returned with the injury. So mm-hmm. with them playing for a playoff berth, I would bet on Zach Ertz being ready, but we're going to have to watch him through the week just to see if he's, you know, just to make sure that he can. Right. Yeah. Fractured rib for Ertz. And he did return and play through that in that game against Dallas. He, he was obviously bothered by it, you know, ha- had a down game. We saw Dallas Goddard get more action because of that. I mean, I'm expecting Ertz to play too um, in this game that the Eagles win and they're in the playoffs. But I think, you know, he's more of a lower end tight end one this week with risk that he's limited and or has to leave the game early. Yeah, I think Dallas Goddard's a better bet than Zach Ertz this week because of the injury situation. And you know, because they've shown us that they're not going to hesitate to go to Dallas Goddard, even if Zach Ertz is in the game. Nelson Aguilar, I think, matters because if he plays, he hurts the outlook for Greg Ward. Even if Nelson Aguilar is active, I'm not interested in using Aguilar. Yep, I agree. No Aguilar. Um, and I think Ward would sort of have to drop out of consideration if Aguilar is back. Julio Jones didn't practice Wednesday because of a knee issue, and that's interesting because it's a new issue. It was the shoulder that cost him week 13 and had landed him on the injury report since then. Yeah, and you know, Julio's been on the injury report for a lot of the season. Um, if, th- if this wasn't week 17, I'd say not to worry about it. But you know, the fact that he's dealing with any type of knee issue, and it is the season finale, I think it's at least worth monitoring. I wouldn't consider Julio a lock to play week 17 at this point. Chris Godwin's still not practicing. I think we should expect him to finish the season not playing. What about you? Yeah, not expecting Godwin to play. Um, you know, I think Brashad Perriman, a borderline wide receiver one at this point, just with the targets being who he's going to get. And it, honestly, the guy's playing well. Um, you know, He came through for owners that used him in week 16 with over 100 yards. And then Justin Watson um, is locked in as the number two receiver. Assuming Godwin's out, I think he's in play too this week. Kyler Murray limited Wednesday. I would certainly try not to use him. Hasn't been playing particularly well, even when healthy lately. Yeah, uh, I mean, the fact that he practiced at all makes me think he has a real chance of playing. I don't know why the Cardinals would run him out there at less than 100% in this game. I'm with you. Even if he does play, I think there's a chance his rushing is limited, so I, I would try to avoid Kyler. James Conner, for a change, did not practice Wednesday. It's a quad injury now. That's a new injury. I would sure try not to use James Conner, if he's, even if he's active this week. Yeah, me too. Um, sounds like there's a good chance he misses so that's going to put Pittsburgh back with Benny Snell as the probable lead ball carrier. Jalen Samuels doing some of the passing game stuff. The matchup against Baltimore on the ground hasn't been tough to begin with, and then they're going to be wrestling some starters. So it's not a bad spot. I think Benny Snell, you know, he, he doesn't excite me, but I do think he's a running back three or flex option this week. Yeah, it's definitely upside to the situation. Derrick Henry, full practice Wednesday after missing last week. So as was reported, sitting out last week was most likely more because the game didn't mean anything for Tennessee. This is the one that will determine whether they're in or out of the playoffs. Yeah, pretty pretty smart move there by Tennessee. And I, if you own Henry and fantasy in your championship was last week, that obviously sucks. But um, it seems like he's as healthy now as he's been in a while. Um, and, you know, this, this is a must-win game for Tennessee. Houston's run defense has not been good lately. So it's a pretty good spot for Henry. And I think, you know, he's a, he's a good bet to get his 20-plus carries as usual. For sure. Josh Jacobs did not practice Wednesday, had surgery also, so I think we should expect him not to play. 
Right. Yeah. He, he posted on uh, Instagram Wednesday night that, you know, he posted a picture of him in the hospital and said something about surgery and his lower leg was wrapped. So we don't have any other details at this point. Um, yeah. All that's on top of this shoulder. Um, and the Raiders do, you know, we should mention they do still have an outside chance to make the playoffs. They need to win and, you know, ha- get help from, I think it's three other teams. But I, I'm not expecting Jacobs to play at this point. And that, that keeps DeAndre Washington in fantasy starter territory. And Dak Prescott, we're going to have to keep watching his shoulder, right? Yeah, we'll talk about him a bit more down here. You know, the matchup's great, but, you know, to me, I, I, I thought the shoulder was an issue in that game against the Eagles. You know, maybe it's better a week later, but I'm going to be keeping an eye on what he does in practice over the next couple of days here. Yeah, of course, he did not throw it all last week leading up to the game. Did play the whole game against Philly. So let's switch over to the quarterbacks now. And, I mean, you know, the top five or so is pretty straightforward, but... Even in that range, we have strong matchups facing Jameis Winston, who gets the Falcons, Carson Wentz, who visits the Giants, Aaron Rodgers, he's at Detroit this week, right? Not home. Correct, at Detroit. And Jared Goff gets a rematch with the Cardinals. So, I mean, all of these guys are in starter range, but if you have two of them, I think the question is how you sort them. Who do, who do you like? Who do you dislike, if anybody, among this group? I like them all. I think I'd feel pretty solid if any of these guys were my starter heading into week 17 here. Um, I think I think Aaron Rodgers is the guy. I'm, I'm probably higher than you are. And it's really just this Lions matchup. You know, Detroit, fifth worst in uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. So this is Rodgers' fifth game this season against a bottom eight quarterback defense. His finishes in the first four were 12th, 1st, 1st, and 22nd. So he disappointed in one of them. But he also has those two quarterback one finishes, and I think he has that type of upside in this spot. The first meeting with Detroit was the quarterback 12 finish early in the season. Um, Rodgers did not have Devonta Adams for this game. So, you know, in, in the rematch with a healthy Adams, Rodgers is a guy, despite a disappointing season, I, I'd feel good having him as my starter this week. So Winston, Winston and Goff are all basically on the same level for me. I mean, there's some downside to each, but the matchup's just fine for all of them too. And I feel relatively safe about them. Rogers is the one that I would put easily below the rest of the group. I think he's only a QB one because of the matchup. He sits 10th for the full season in pro football focus passing grade. But since week eight, he ranks 26th in that category. He's had Devontae Adams back for most of that. So, I mean, we can't really blame that actually, maybe even all of that, but anyway, for at least most of that stretch, He's just not playing very well. The offense isn't that good. And I think that Green Bay is not even looking to lean Rodgers' way. The only really good fantasy outing in that stretch is against the Giants. And he got a bit lucky with four touchdown passes in that game. So is there the upside to do that kind of stuff against Detroit? For sure. But I think all three of these other guys have just as much upside in that same direction. And all three of their teams are leaning much more toward what those quarterbacks are doing in, in matchups that are just as good. To me, Wentz is the guy I'd be most worried about, and it's just because of that Zach Ertz injury. And, you know, we know Wentz was already pretty short on pass catchers to begin with. So so if Zach Ertz is, you know, anything less than 100%, you know, he, he, he's going to be less than 100%. Um, that makes me worry about Wentz a little bit. But, I mean, the guy's been getting it done. He has four straight top 12 finishes now, which which is pretty impressive considering the guys around him. Yeah, 325 and two against the Giants last time. A lot of that was to Zach Ertz, of course, but Giants are the fifth best matchup for QB scoring. So we expect Ertz to play, even if it's not 100% Ertz. Uh, I think that there will be enough there to support Wentz. I, I feel like he's, I feel like he's a little safer than Aaron Rodgers at this point. Uh, Winston to me is the one guy that has implosion potential. I think uh, you know based on how his season has gone. You're going to have to make a personal decision on whether you worry about that implosion potential. He's got three games of four plus 
interceptions, two other games with three interceptions. So we know that he can do that. We know he can have a good fantasy outing even with several interceptions. But, you know, there is the chance that he just has a a total implosion game. So he's still, you know, like QB six or seven for me. So it's high. You'd have to have somebody else ranked high to decide to go that way over Winston, I think. Yeah, I mean, Jameis basically imploded last Saturday, and he still finished quarterback 13 on the week. Um, I, I do think the injuries to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, that, that you can definitely tell it's an issue, not not surprisingly. Um, so I think maybe his ceiling is a bit lower now without those guys. But I still feel pretty safe about him just because how much he's throwing. Um, he's adding some production on the ground. And his matchup's good, too, obviously, against Atlanta. Jameis had 313 yards, three touchdowns, and just 28 attempts. In the first meeting with the Falcons, you know, that, of course, came with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, though. With Jared Goff, we've addressed on here that he's been terrible against good pass defenses mm-hmm. and good in fantasy against all of the defenses that are not really strong. Of course, the first meeting with Arizona, he topped 400 yards passing at a, a top five week. The only other week that he scored more, and it was only by one fantasy point, depending on your scoring format, was that week where he threw for 517 against the Bucks back in week five. So I, I'd have a hard time not playing Goff this week unless we hear between now and then that the Rams are going to rest a significant right. number of starters. Yeah, that, that's the only concern for me with Goff is, you know, that we have heard some stuff about the Rams potentially resting some of these guys. But if we know Goff's going to play the full game, I think he's a strong play this week. And, and for me, I, I mean, you know, you can a coach can play week 17 however they want if the game means nothing for them. But I, I don't really see the point in not playing Jared Goff yeah. in the season finale. I would think that the guys resting would be the guys with some kind of you know, physical consideration, something that they have a chance to exacerbate this week. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it would make sense to rest Todd Gurley, but I don't see a reason to, to rest Jared Goff. Yeah, so we'll, we'll watch and see. All You know, that'll be among the things that we look for Sunday morning. How to treat Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott this week? I mean, Dak Prescott has spent most of the year being a, a shoe-in starter and back home against a bad defense, so he should be an easy starter this week. Of course, We have since, you know, over the past two weeks now, we've seen him hurt his throwing shoulder and then go out and have one of his few poor outings of the season at Philly. So, I mean, what are you doing with him after watching that? Yeah, I mean, Dak's tough. I I do think his performance last week was a concern. Um, You know, he he posted his second worst completion rate of the season, 56.8%. His 6.0 yards per attempt was a season low. Dak received his worst passing grade of the season from, from pro football focus so you know to me that the shoulder was an issue but on the other hand now you have Matt home where he's been awesome all season and he's facing this Redskins secondary we talked about it last week with Daniel Jones all the cornerback injuries then Daniel Jones comes out has a massive game so Dak to me is just that classic risk reward guy there are definitely safer options I'd, I'd consider all all those guys we talked about in that last section safer options than Dak but I'm not sure any of them have more upside because of how good he's been at home and this matchup. Yeah. So in addition to the Daniel Jones games, the past six games for Washington have included big games for Sam Darnold, Kyle Allen, and Carson Wentz. Of course, it was a huge game for Daniel Jones last week. I mean, Dak would probably be the QB one in our rankings if he were healthy this week for this matchup in a game that they need to win. His only other two week outings besides the Philly game and, you know, talking fantasy numbers here, not like real life performance, but at New Orleans in week four, at New England in week 12. Was he full Dak last week? For sure not. But he did make it through the game. I don't think it was keeping him from doing a whole lot. 
and, and the matchup, the matchup's so good. I would have a tough time sitting Dak, even for the guys we mentioned before. I would definitely play him over Aaron Rodgers. I think it's more of a coin flip, Dak versus the other three for me, because you know we don't really know how much the shoulder is limiting him, and and maybe they jump out to a lead in this one and then treat it like they did in the Rams game too, where he only attempts twenty three passes and he doesn't throw anything past the line of scrimmage in the second half. Yeah, definitely expecting a big and busy game for Zeke Elliott here. Um, Washington's run defense has been struggling too, especially these last couple of weeks. But yeah, I also agree with you that Dak Prescott would be our quarterback one in the Week 17 rankings if he was healthy. So you know, just just realize that that's the upside he has. You know, it's it's a case where you know, to me, if if I think I'm an underdog in my fantasy matchup, I'll take a shot on Dak. If I think I'm the favorite and just need you know a safer 20 points, I might consider benching Dak. And expect Dak to come up in the DFS shows tomorrow. I won't be using him, I don't think, but yeah, okay. It'll be worth addressing one way or the other. Sure, yep. Daniel Jones, of course, coming off that game that we just mentioned, he's now over 300 yards and four-plus touchdown passes in three of his past six outings. In that span, he's at down spots versus Dallas, at Chicago, versus Green Bay. He had no Sterling Shepard for the Dallas game, no such excuses for the other two games, though. All four of his ceiling games have interestingly come on the road. I don't think that's something to read into. I know that sometimes wind can be an issue at the Giants and Jets home stadium, but I think this is more of a kind of a a fluke than anything that we need to read into for where he's playing. The Philly pass defense, we thought a few weeks back that it was getting better. It was getting tougher. And then it had two bad outings against Ryan Fitzpatrick, 365 and three. Eli Manning allowed 203 and two touchdowns. And then Dwayne Haskins had 261 and two touchdowns. They did halt the Cowboys last week. How much of that was Dak Prescott's shoulder? Tough for us to know. Daniel Jones is definitely a QB1, I would say, this week. He, he is. I think he has to be just because the upside he's shown. I mean, I think truly, be, besides Lamar Jackson, Jones has had as high a ceiling as any other quarterback in the league this season, which is super impressive for a rookie. He also, of course, has had quite a few duds. So he's sort of like Dak Prescott to me. Um, you just have to accept the the risk that comes with him, but know the upside is there. And I think I'd use Rodgers, Winston, Wentz, and Goff over Daniel Jones just for the safety. And again, I think all four of those guys also have quite a bit of upside. I like Wentz, Winston, and Goff over Jones. I would play Jones over Rodgers because I think he crushes Rodgers on ceiling at this point. He's hating on the, the future Hall of Famer. Absolutely. The past Hall of Famer. Mm. Running back, Miles Sanders in that same Giants-Phillies game. The only question with him now is Jordan Howard's return this week and how that changes things. I think Miles Sanders remains the lead back, even with Jordan Howard back. Yeah, I, I can't see Philly going away from Sanders, who I, I think is you know playing just about as well as any running back in the NFL right now. You know, maybe Howard cuts into his workload on the ground a little bit. You know, Sanders has averaged sixteen point six carries over his last five games. Maybe he loses a couple off that. But you know, he he's been doing a lot of damage in the passing game too. Five point four targets over his last five games, and I don't expect Jordan Howard to have any impact there. Yeah, I think Jordan Howard takes some carries, but they could not only come from Miles Sanders, which, uh, you know, again, like you said, I would think would be a few of them. I think they would probably come more from the passing game, which has been high volume since Jordan Howard went down. I think Philly would probably like to throw a little bit less, especially with all the injuries they're dealing with there, and run a little bit more. And I think that's more where Jordan Howard's work would come from. I I would guess something in the 10 to 12 carry range, unless the Eagles fall behind in this one as long as Jordan Howard proves that he's ready this week but I mean he's been practicing on a limited basis just not allowed for contact so if he's ready for 
for real football action, I would I would think something around 10 carries, not much passing game action, and plenty for Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders has been the number four scoring running back in PPR over the past five weeks behind only Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, and Saquon Barkley. Same number of touchdowns as all those guys. So I think if anything, Jordan Howard returning just puts Miles Sanders down to the bottom of RB1 range instead of maybe being higher. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, trim maybe a few touches out, but I'd still expect at least 12 carries for Sanders, you know, maybe 15 plus. And then again, he's going to continue to do what he has been doing in the passing game. Yeah, should be a good option this week. Damian Williams, I think, is another good option this week. And it, it might not feel like a safe one, and maybe he's not safe. Like you said, there's the chance that the Chiefs say, I don't care if I'm the third or the fourth and rest some of these guys. You know, Damian Williams would probably be chief in that area. But last time out, 16 carries, three targets in his week 16 return from injury. His last pre-injury game, 19 carries, five targets at Tennessee. And the game before that, he played 73% of the offensive snaps, which dominated the time that the rest of the team's running backs spent on the field. Right, and you had the Chiefs send Spencer Ware to the IR earlier this week, so he's out of the picture. I think LaShawn McCoy will probably be active again for this week's 17 game after being a healthy scratch for that Sunday nighter against the Bears. Um, you know, So it's going to be Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy, Darwin Thompson. If the Chiefs are playing to win this game, and you know, as of now, that that's what we're assuming, I, I think Damian Williams is the lead back, and I think he's a, a pretty solid running back too this week. Yeah, unless we hear that they're going to not worry about winning this game, I would play Damian Williams as though they're trying to win. The Chargers are the eighth best running back scoring matchup on the season. They allowed two running back scores to the Chiefs back in week 11, both on the ground. They allowed those two touchdowns to Mike Boone that made a lot of us count on him on Monday night. They allowed 106 total yards and a touchdown to DeAndre Washington just last week. So it's a strong matchup. It's a good way for the Chiefs to protect Patrick Mahomes a little bit in week 17. I think we'll get a lot of touches, and Damian Williams is definitely going to come up on the DFS podcast. I like that one. The Chargers running backs on the other side of that matchup, Melvin Gordon, 14 carries for 69, three catches for 21 on five targets in his week 11 meeting with the Chiefs, seven and nine carries in losses for the Chargers of the past two weeks. Five-plus catches in three straight games, so he's been involved there even with Austin Eckler around. But I think we're expecting the Chargers to lose this game. That doesn't bode well for Melvin Gordon. I might play Austin Eckler straight up over Melvin Gordon across fantasy formats this week. I think Eckler over Gordon is definitely the call in PPR. I think it's close to non-PPR. I mean, this is sort of the dilemma we've had with a lot of running backs against the Chiefs all season. We know it's a good matchup on the ground. But we know there's a chance that, you know, game script might work against Melvin Gordon and take away from his rushing volume. The nice thing about Gordon is, you know, he, he is involved in the passing game, like you said, five plus catches in three straight. So I feel decent about Melvin Gordon. I agree that I think uh, this could be more of an Eckler game. And, you know, he, he's the better bet for receiving production among these two. Yeah, I feel decent, too. I think they're both in RB2 range. I think there's more upside to Austin Eckler in the matchup. He, of course, had eight catches on 12 targets for 108 yards in the last meeting. He's had five-plus targets, four-plus catches, and 51-plus receiving yards in each of the four games since. The Chiefs have allowed the fifth-most PPR points to the position, tied for 10th-most receptions allowed, second-most receiving yards allowed to the position. So if... The Chiefs jump ahead, and I think we're expecting them to jump ahead in this game. I think it could quickly turn into an Eckler-focused approach. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to that game in Mexico City, and uh, you know the Chiefs had no answer for Eckler in the passing game in that one. Right, and they're still weak at linebacker, so it still looks like a good way to attack them. Yep. Any sneaky starts for you at running back this week? 
Let's talk about the Seahawks backfield quick here. I mean, they added Marshawn Lynch and Robert Turbin this week after losing Chris Carson and CJ Procise to season any injuries. I'm excited about Marshawn Lynch coming back, but the guy hasn't played football since I think October of 2018. So I'm not expecting him to have a major role on Sunday night. I don't think he's a fantasy option. Travis Homer is the best bet among Seattle running backs. Pete Carroll said this week they're going to lean on Homer. He's a sixth round rookie out of Miami, averaged six yards per carry in three college seasons, caught 37 balls over his finals two seasons. He caught six passes last week, filling in for Carson and Procise. Um, pretty athletic guy, 79th percentile spark score, 5'10", 201 pounds, so decent size. You know, again, we, we don't know exactly how touches are going to be divvied among these Seahawks backs, but I do think Homer is a pretty good bat for like 15 plus touches. So I think he's in play, especially in PPR leagues as a running back three or flex. Yeah, I think Travis Homer is basically Mike Boone this week. And I say that not to say that we all like him and he's going to let you down, Mm -hmm. but it's the same kind of situation where he is the leader of a backfield that likes to run the ball. So there is definitely significant touch upside here. There is also the unknown of we have not seen him start a game. So we really don't know what the team is going to do with him. So if you're looking down an RB3 range, I think he probably has a lot more touch upside than any of the other guys around him. There's a chance that Travis Homer gets 20 carries in this game. There's also a chance he carries 10 times in a game where they're trailing and doesn't end up giving you a whole lot. Right, and it's obviously a tougher matchup against San Francisco. I'd actually say that Homer might be safer than Mike Boone was last week. I don't think he has the upside that Boone had, but, you know... my concern with Boone, and not, not to go back to him, but um, I, I was concerned that he was going to lose passing down work to Amir Abdullah, and that's what ended up happening when they fell behind in that game. Again, I, I do think Homer is the best bet to, to handle that stuff for Seattle on Sunday night, which obviously helps. Yeah, I think the my concern here that wouldn't have applied to Minnesota is that maybe this is finally the impetus for <laughs> Brian Schottenheimer to actually lean on his best player and go with a little bit more Russell Wilson, and maybe we get – what the kind of passing day that we should have gotten from Russell Wilson last week against Arizona, especially with San Francisco being a little bit more generous to quarterbacks lately. I know Richard Sherman has gotten back healthy, so they're certainly helped on that end. But I mean, there's every reason for Seattle to go Russell Wilson heavy this week. I, I hope we finally get to see, you know, full on Russell Wilson. Now. Yeah, if they do, maybe we'll get the, you know, like a, de- a defining game for Russell Wilson that puts him in the playoffs. And he just, you know, looks full Russell Wilson in this game. It would be fun. Yep, fingers crossed. Elsewhere, I think Kareem Hunt might qualify as sneaky, you know, in the range where you're looking. I'm not going to elevate him too high, but I would play him over Benny Snell because we don't know what kind of touches Benny Snell is really going to get. If it's non-PPR, I guess I would probably lean Benny Snell, but half or full PPR, I would go Kareem Hunt. I like Kareem Hunt over David Montgomery too. Maybe over Carlos Hyde. That's a tough call because of what we've said about the Texan situation. And I would definitely play Kareem Hunt over uh, guys like Kareem, uh, on Johnson, Devin Singletary, James White across fantasy formats at this point. Yeah, I'm with you on Hunt as a, as a pretty exciting play this week. Um, you know, the matchup doesn't get much better than the Bengals, and and Hunt has you know looked awesome since coming back, and his you know volume hasn't been huge, but it has been pretty consistent. We can count on him for you know. 10 to 12 touches. Now I'm excited to see where Hunt lands in free agency this offseason because I, cause I you know, still think he's a top 10 talent. Yeah, and last week was the first time since he joined the Browns that he has fallen short of 11 opportunities or 10 touches. And this yeah. week's matchup against the Bengals, you know, every touch that he gets grows upside beyond what he had in most of those previous games. 
One more kind of sneaky starter I'm looking at this week, Latavius Murray. You know, we've talked about this Panthers run defense a lot lately because it's been so bad. Carolina's allowed 850 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns on 6.5 yards per carry through running backs just over the last five weeks now. That stretch includes seven carries for 64 yards and a score from Latavius Murray. Should be a game the Saints control, and, you know, I, I think Murray is probably a good bet for even more volume than he got in that first game. Over to wide receiver, we talked about his quarterback, but Amari Cooper had a disappointing game last week. So there might be some question of what to do. I think what you do with Amari Cooper is play him this week, because even in that disappointing game at Philly, where he wasn't on the field in favor of Tavon Austin late, he still got 12 targets. Man, yeah, I I agree you have to play Amari Cooper and just sort of cross your fingers. He's obviously not healthy. I don't think there's any other reason for him to be getting pulled in some of those late game situations. He's actually played less than 80% of Dallas's offensive snaps in three straight games now. So he's not healthy. It obviously adds risk, but you know, Cooper like Dak has been so much better at home this season. Matchup's good against Washington. I, I do still think he has too high a ceiling to consider benching in season long leagues. Yeah, he had a garbage game against the Rams last time he was at home, but Dallas only threw the ball 23 times, and every single attempt in the second half was a short throw after Dak had injured his shoulder. The two games before that, Cooper hit the Bills for eight catches, 85 yards, and at Chicago caught six for 83 and a touchdown. So I think he's at least good enough to deliver if the ball gets to him. I think Dak Prescott is probably good enough to get the ball to him. We'll watch him this week just to make sure of that part. Yep, agreed. And, of course, the cornerbacks for Washington are a mess at this point. Mm -hmm. Giants wide receivers Darius Slayton was a surprise zero last week in the huge game at Washington. We found out afterward that he hurt a knee. Left that game, came back later, missed most of it, though. I think he ended up playing less than 40% of the snaps. And he was limited on Wednesday's quote-unquote estimated practice report from the Giants. Yep, so we'll keep an eye on Slayton. Um, Interesting thing about this Philly defense now, Eagles have allowed the most fantasy points to outside wide receivers and the least fantasy points to slot receivers. So for this week, that's Golden Tate in the slot. Um, Tate's run 85% of his routes from the slot this season. So it's actually a tough matchup for Golden Tate, and it's an excellent matchup for Sterling Shepard on the outside and Darius Slayton on the outside if he's healthy. So again, we'll, we'll see if Slayton's able to play in this one. Yeah, I think Sterling Shepard is the pretty easy top choice among the three, considering yep. all of that for this week. And I think the knee makes Golden Tate a better bet than Darius Slayton for this game in a situation where they're all pretty close entering each week. Yeah, we'll see. For me, it comes down to Slayton's health. But um, you know, if he's close to 100%, I think I'd even lean to him over Golden Tate You know, with those fantasy points allowed numbers to the outside wide receivers. Yeah, I could see that, and we'll we'll certainly watch him this week. Devontae Parker gets the Patriots, unfortunately, in Week 17, if you're playing through Week 17. Zero catches on seven targets, which tied for the team lead in the first meeting much earlier in the season. Coming into this one, he has seen 10-plus targets in five of the past seven games. His other two in that range, he left early against the Jets, and he saw seven targets against the Giants, caught four for 72 and two touchdowns. So the guy has been money lately. That first meeting with the Pats is one of just three games all year in which he has fallen short of 55 receiving yards. And one of the other two was that Jets game he left early. Yeah, so Devontae Parker's been money lately. Stephon Gilmore has been money all season for the Patriots. I think if you've just been avoiding Gilmore in fantasy lineups all year, you've you've done well. Our boy Smokey Brown last week was the first wide receiver to score in Gilmore's coverage all season. Last week was just the second time all season Stephon Gilmore has allowed more than 51 yards in coverage 
I would try to avoid Devontae Parker this week in this matchup, despite how good he's been this season. I would try to as well. I think, though, that Anthony Miller might be the lowest guy in our current default site rankings at wide receiver that I would play over Devontae Parker. The 49ers guys, I'd play over him. Slayton, if he's healthy, I'd play over him. John Ross, sounds crazy, but I would play him over Devontae Parker this week. That does sound crazy, but we'll (laughs) get to John Ross now and talk about why that might be the case. 13 targets, 6 catches for 84 yards at Miami last week. Of course, that was a big jump from his previous two games. Those first two games back from IR are the only times this year that he has fallen short of 6 targets now in a game. He was huge, of course, to begin the season against the Seahawks and the 49ers, then down against the Bills and Steelers before heading to IR, played the Browns and the Patriots since his return. So really... Three of his four down games have come against tough defenses. Yeah, and Ross was limited in those first two games back from injury, but he again, he was in a full-time role last week, played 79% of the Bengals' offensive snaps, and, and really has, has been productive this season when healthy. Matchup's not ideal. Brown's 12th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They have a couple you know fast outside corners in Denzel, in Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, so you know guys that can sort of run. With John Ross. So I, I don't love this spot for Ross. I think that's why he's, you know, like a borderline wide receiver three in our rankings. But, um, you know, again, the volume and his big playability, I think, makes him a guy, again, who I'd take a shot on over Devontae Parker for Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, I think he's an up, upside shot to take in, in wide receiver three range, similar to where I had Kenny Stills last week. I, I mm-hmm. don't think that I could start him over Devontae Parker after the way that Parker has played lately, and especially after we saw the Bills do some damage passing-wise against the Patriots last week. So just so we know it's possible for a receiver to not suck against them. Yep, that's fair. Over to tight end, I think it's mostly straightforward this week. Who do you like in the spot starter range? Yeah, if you've been streaming, I think your three options this week. O.J. Howard is, I think, my favorite among these three. Sort of disappointing last week. I mean, he still gave you three catches for 40-something yards. Saw another seven targets in that game against Houston. So Howard's averaging 6.3 targets per game over his last four now. That's eighth best among tight ends. He's also seventh among tight ends in air yards over that four-game span. So he's getting the usage. You know, still think he's a big talent. So I'd use him first here. The other two, I think, are shakier, but... Jonu Smith, who, who really has been good for three straight weeks now, but he's also seen just 13 targets in those three games, so the floor is still a little low for Jonu Smith. Um, the third guy is Noah Fant, who his volume has been even worse than Jonu Smith's, just three targets per game for Noah Fant in Drew Locke's four starts now. But Fant has the best matchup among these three guys. He gets the Raiders, who are 28th in adjusted fantasy points, allowed to tight ends. And, and, and we've seen Fant do damage on his limited volume. Yeah, no offense, a ceiling and a floor, and there's absolutely nothing in between. Yes, exactly. Streaming defenses, I like, in order, probably the Chiefs against the Chargers. The Chargers are 12th in team offensive DVOA, but just 15th in weighted offensive DVOA. So over the past five games, they've been playing worse. Chiefs generally tougher on defense at home. They play the pass well. I think they're well set up and probably going to jump out to a lead. Again, we'll watch to make sure that they're not planning to sit starters for this game. Then the Packers have a great matchup at Detroit. Detroit has supplied the 10th most fantasy points on the season to defenses, and they've scored 17 or fewer in three straight games. Falcons at the Bucks, we all know the upside there. And Cowboys versus Washington at home, similar upside in that. Case Keenum is a decent bet for interceptions. Yep, I'm with you on all four of those. I think they're all pretty strong spot start options this week. 
the questions, I think, Steelers against the Ravens, and of mm-hmm. course the Ravens not having anything to play for and already telling us that they're going to bench starters makes this one interesting on both sides. I think for the Steelers' defense, you would go in probably using them anyway, but you would not feel good about it if it were Lamar Jackson and company. The fact that those guys are out, I think the Steelers could, you could rank the Steelers as the number one defense for this week. Yeah, I was going to say, I definitely, you know, we've talked about how good the Steelers' defense has been. Now they're playing backup. So I, I would use the Steelers over all those um, streamers that you just mentioned. The, the Ravens are the tough one. You know, we know they're, we already know they're going to be sitting Earl Thomas. Um, you know, we'll see beyond that who they rest among their defensive starters. It's a good matchup, obviously, against, you know, Devlin Hodges and, and this, this Steelers offense. But I would lean away from using Baltimore with the starters resting. The Steelers are actually favored in this game now with the Ravens resting starters. Yeah, so, I mean, the fact that the Ravens are sitting players makes it a better spot for the Steelers defense. But the fact that the Ravens are sitting players makes it a consideration whether to use the Baltimore defense here. You mentioned Earl Thomas. Marcus Peters missed practice Wednesday with a chest injury, so I would imagine that he'll not play in this game. Jimmy Smith was off Wednesday. He gets every Wednesday off, but he's also consistently managing lower body injuries. So I would not be surprised if Jimmy Smith is also inactive for this game. That would be uh, two of their top three cornerbacks. Marlon Humphrey has also recently been um, dealing with, I think it was a hamstring injury. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if he's not playing in this game. You know, all that said, Devlin Hodges has been playing so poorly lately (laughs) that they put Mason Rudolph back in the game last week. So I think the fact that Devlin Hodges is a starter and I mean, Benny Snell is the starting running back probably for this team. The Ravens are definitely in play. I can't yeah. say I'm excited about them, but even the Ravens' second team defense is in play here. Yeah, and no, I agree. I don't expect the Steelers to come in and you know put up 28 points. I mean, I would play those four streamers: the Chiefs, Packers, Falcons, Cowboys over Baltimore. But beyond that, and you know the more obvious defenses like Pittsburgh, uh, I'm not sure I'd use any other spot start options off the waiver wire over Baltimore. I agree with that. And that's going to do it for this week 17 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now where we do have our full weekly rankings and projections to help you set your lineups if your league is still going through week 17. We'll be back here tomorrow for our usual DFS podcast. It's the only main slate of the season. It includes 15 games. We don't have the Sunday night game included. I, I was thinking that we had every single game, but I remembered we do have the Sunday night one. So still 15 games, lots of players. I'm bound to pick some wrong ones for my lineups. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shouf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.